everyone, it's Jeff Anderson for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, and in this week's podcast segment, I caught up with survival expert Kevin Reeve of OnPointTactical.com to talk about one of my favorite topics, survival weapons, and specifically, improvised survival weapons. And he really had some incredible tips that I've never even thought of before. I know you're going to get as much out of it as I did, so let's get started. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. In any survival scenario, self-protection should be one of your primary concerns. You never know when you're going to have to defend yourself from looters, anarchists, desperate citizens caught up in the chaos or even an organized militia. Now, you're probably thinking that that's what your trusty sidearm is for, or your AR-15, and arguably, these are going to be your best bet for holding off attackers. But you must also never forget that firearms and other weapons you may be counting on can break, they can get lost, stolen, or confiscated, they can suffer malfunction from the elements, or simply run out of ammo and become little more than a very heavy paperweight that you're lugging around. In these cases, the prepared protector is the one who can make a weapon out of anything. A modern-day MacGyver who can scavenge items from an urban terrain and quickly fashion a deadly weapon that can save your life and help you keep those that you love safe in any scenario. Unfortunately, I have just the guy to help you develop the creativity and knowledge that you need to master this skill. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and patriot. And joining us today is someone who has received national recognition for his expertise in training others in all kinds of modern survival skills, Kevin Reeve. Kevin, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Great to have you here. Now, listen, Kevin's training courses, to me, read like the ultimate Christmas list for survival-minded folks like myself. From urban escape and evasion to scouting and tracking and a host of other training, Kevin not only shows you the skills that you need to become an expert in surviving in even the most extreme disaster scenarios, but he even puts you in real-life exercises designed to allow you to apply your training under realistic conditions. Now, for more information about Kevin and to gain access to his training schedule, be sure to visit his website at www.onpointtactical.com. Kevin, creating improvised weapons from scrounged materials becomes a lot easier when you already have some key items on you that can help to construct something. So what specific items have you found useful to have on hand as like a starter kit for everyday carry or in a bug-out bag? Well, the first and most important uh, is a multi-tool. Um, I, uh, I can't emphasize enough how useful that can be. It has a knife, it has pliers, it has uh, a saw, it has uh, just, a, just about everything you, you'd need. Uh, there's a few other things, of course. I, I like to carry um, some drill bits. I like to carry some fastening material, some, uh, some baling wire, I usually carry some surgical tubing, which has multiple uses in terms of projectiles and and uh, other survival needs. So, you know, a, a good multi-tool, uh, which has saw, file, knife, scissors, 
pretty much everything you're going to need with the exception of uh, some attaching material, some things for uh, a small piece of duct tape. I mean, a small roll of duct tape is also very useful. So that's kind of the starter bag for me. One of the things that I've added to mine, because um, I've, I've got like a survival bow in my in my bug out bag and everything, and I found like I never know when that string is going to break. So I've stuck a um, like just like a spare a spare um, uh, what's the word? Bowstring. Yeah, bowstring in there as well. Have you? Does that sound like something that would be a good addition? Or I, I do improvised bows, and um, we'll use paracord usually for bowstring. Hmm. A, a small ten, fifteen foot piece. of of uh, paracord is also very helpful. Yeah, sounds right. Uh, Kevin, of the different classifications of survival weapons, the one that most people associate as a necessity for personal defense is a stabbing instrument. When you think about it, it's pretty evident that when you look at these types of weapons, they're fashioned by prison inmates to be able to use for stabbing people. So, I mean, it's pretty common to use this kind of weapon. So, in a survival scenario, what items could someone use to fashion an improvised stabbing weapon, and how exactly would they make it using everyday materials? Well, a stabbing weapon, of course, is has a pointy end, and that's the that's the thing that's going to be the cr- crucial piece. Uh, it also has to be long enough to penetrate far enough into the body to do the necessary damage. So, um, you know, uh, creating stabbing weapons, there's just a host of things you can use, but... You have to think about it in terms of I need to be able to penetrate the skin, so there needs to be a very fine and hard point on one end, and um, I need to be able to hopefully cut through with that. So, uh, you know, a sharpened stick or a big pen can work, um, but something with a with an edge on it as well is much better. Uh, one of the best I've seen uh, was a uh, was a a piece of metal sign that was folded into a very sharp point and uh, it had you know a very good edge and a very good point and somebody fashioned a nice handle out of it but it's just a matter of, of looking at the at the at the environment as a source of resources for this kind of thing so sharp pointy is 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 the key to to creating a stabbing weapon uh, and you're right the prisoners do a great job of this if you look at prison shifts they're made from the lid of a tuna can or from a toothbrush that's been melted and reshaped, uh, all of which can be very effective. You know, they, they are they are masters at at, at improvising, and uh, uh, there's, there's just no end to the possibilities. I saw another one that was made from a piece of broken uh, plexiglass off of a picture frame that had a very nice pointy shape and was wrapped in, the handle was wrapped with some cloth and it would have done some damage. So um, uh, I saw somebody who fashioned a really nice one with the uh, handle of an umbrella by pounding it in, into a, a very good point. It was a great, great stabbing weapon. So, um, you know, the the only limit really is imagination. But the, the concept here is is that it has to be able to penetrate. And... Uh, a blunt instrument at this point isn't isn't as effective as something that uh, penetrates into the body cavity. So, Kevin, one of the classes of weapons that you talk about in your urban survival course is a slashing weapon. I mean, this kind of keeps us in that whole edged weapon type of a format. So, 
What do you mean by that with a slashing weapon, and how would you use it, and how exactly would someone construct this type of weapon to be used during a collapse-like survival scenario? Um, I have a very good friend who is a, a consider, who I consider one of the dangerous people I've ever met, one of the most dangerous people I've ever met, who uh, taught me how to use a disposable razor and a credit card to create a very, very effective slashing weapon, essentially using super glue to glue the weapon, the uh, the razor blade from a disposable razor onto the edge of a credit card. And uh, we tested that thing and found that something like that is incredibly effective at slashing, useful on various targets. It's good for muscular skeletal targets, so you can cut the Achilles tendon. I don't know if I can be too graphic here, but um, carotid arteries. um, And um, you cut the inside of their forearms, you'll turn their hand off. So... You know, there's a, there's a, a number of uses for a slashing weapon in terms of debilitating somebody. Typically, these weapons don't, with the exception of the carotids, these weapons don't create um, severe wound channels. They're designed for for disrupting muscle and uh, skeletal structure, uh, i.e., tendons and, and uh, ligaments. So it's not designed to kill as much as it is to debilitate. Whereas a stabbing weapon would be more something that would be designed to hit a target that will cause you to exsanguinate. So slashing weapons are really useful. And, um, again, glass, uh, you see um, frequently broken bottles used in this technique, in this, in this area. Or even like um, soda cans, when you think about it, I mean, those things, once they're ripped open, are really, really sharp on the edges, too. Yeah, you can, and, and it's just a matter then of attaching that to something as a handle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a piece of glass attached to a piece of, uh, a piece of wood that you can use to rip with is, is, uh, to, to slice with is, is really effective. So, uh, again, you gotta put your, uh, imaginative mind to work and, and start thinking, okay, I have this piece, but it's not good on its own, which is why we have, um, tools in our kit that allow us to attach it to something, cut a groove and a piece of wood, slide a piece of glass into, or a piece of metal. You know, just the, the edge of a tin can, uh, the edge of a lid of a tin can properly mounted in a piece of wood or slid between the two pieces of wood and, and tied together could make a really effective slicing weapon. So yeah. uh, you just have to uh, you just have to look at everything in your environment as a potential weapon and... Uh, and go from there. Yeah. We're here with Kevin Reeve of OnPointTactical.com talking about one of my favorite topics, improvised weapons. And we'll be back with some more great tips about how you can fashion your own self-protection weapons, even in a collapse-like environment here in just a minute. But first, check out this message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. 
and how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival, don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Kevin Reeve of OnPointTactical.com and getting those creative juices flowing about different types of improvised weapons that you can fashion in a collapse-like environment. But Kevin, I can see there being certain circumstances in a survival scenario where one might need a weapon designed for penetration to create massive trauma very quickly. And one of the areas that I can see using this is an area that I think a lot of people don't even think about with what you might have to defend against. I mean, a situation I can think of is like defending against a pack of ravenous dogs that are roaming around starving and ready to attack because they've been abandoned by their owners in a collapse-like environment. So what's your best advice for how to construct an improvised penetration weapon that could be used to survive? Um, penetration weapons, I'm thinking more like along the lines of an ice pit type weapon or uh, one of the most effective ones I've ever seen was was actually a simple, simple one, which was a big pen that somebody rubbed along the, the uh, sidewalk at an angle to create a hypodermic type point. And uh, that was, uh, it was, I saw that one used on an, on an animal at one point that uh, was penetrated, penetrated the ribs into the heart. And it actually created a, uh, a bleeding spout. The blood was exiting through the interior of the, of the pen. So something as simple as a big pen can be useful. I, uh, I know another person who, um, this is overseas actually, uh, had a pencil and, uh, a straight number two pencil and drove that into the thigh of a person and broke it off. Now the muscles depend on the ability to slide past one another to work. And then in effect, he shut down this person's leg. The guy could not stand up, could not move, could not move, could not straighten his leg, could not do anything as long as that pencil was embedded in his thigh. Now that's probably uh, uh, a good example of a, as good an example of a penetrating weapon as I can think of. But um, you know the uh, the the idea here is what have you got? To, you know, obviously uh, an arrow or something of that nature would be considered a penetrating weapon as well. And and so you have to you have to really look around at the environment and say what can I use? I saw a really good use of a bicycle wheel where somebody took spokes off of it and sharpened them and made a series of uh, a, a set of darts that could have been that were very effective. Um, I never saw them tested on a human, but they were very effective as an improvised weapon and. Uh, you can imagine bike spoke sharp, and you can you get the idea of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I can even. I mean, even now, I mean, when you think about like um, something a more longer distance, you could take any one of those, essentially, like a spike or a nail or the the pencil or anything, put it at the end of a longer stick, and then you've got something that yes. you could maybe hold the dogs. Spear type or weapon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. the, the spear type weapon. The advantage of a spear type weapon is that it gives you range. Yeah. You, you are able to attack from greater distance than they are, which is always 
very advantageous in a confrontation. Yeah. Kevin, when we think of some of the earlier weapons used by man, we naturally think of a caveman with a club. And even today, when you think about it, I mean, police carry an expandable baton to use as a blunt force personal defense weapon. So in a survival scenario, what are the most effective examples of a blunt force weapon that could be created from scavenged materials, and how exactly could someone build it? Well, the simplest things are always the best. I always tell people as they walk past a construction site to look for loose rebar about 18 inches of rebar with a, hand, a cloth handle on the uh, wrapped in cloth as a handle can be as effective a blunt force weapon as you can imagine. Hmm. Uh, if it were sharpened, it could be a stabbing weapon as well. Um, so keep it simple. But there are a number of other things that are just as effective. By, um, I would recommend uh, picking up a rock as soon as you can and putting it inside a pair of socks to give you a very effective blunt force weapon or a battery in a sock. Uh, um, put a, if you find a uh, padlock, guys frequently will bring a padlock in that they found in the city and put it on the end of a piece of a paracord or or a rope, and it's a really effective swinging weapon as the, as the socks are. Uh, so, you know, blunt force trauma is extremely effective. We always think of hitting people on the head with it, but... If I strike you on the uh, clavicle, on the on the collarbone, I'll disable your arm. There are a number of ways to do blunt force trauma that don't necessarily equate with the head. Now, the head's usually uh, people um, in a combat situation will have a helmet on, but you have other vulnerabilities. So, um, find a weapon that can can achieve what you want with that in mind. Yeah. Or even just the trusty baseball bat, I suppose, that you could come across. I mean, baseball's you know, let's let's a common American sport. You'd think that there'd be a baseball bat lying around somewhere. You would hope so. <laughs> it's interesting. I've seen people take hits with a baseball bat very hard hmm. and not collapse. And it's because the, the width of the baseball bat distributes the impact. Whereas if you hit the same person with a piece of rebar, Ouch. it yeah. would crush their skull. Yeah. So um, I like baseball bats. Because uh, they're long, but um, you know a shovel handle would be a better weapon than a baseball bat hmm, for the same length because its surface area is so much narrower. Yeah. And don't, don't underestimate. Like Quinnis would said, there's nothing like the feel of a good piece of hickory. Yeah. <laughs> a shovel handle is a great tool. Yeah. Now the rebar just seems incredibly devastating to me. No, it is. I mean, it's it's just like a it's like a steel baton. Yeah. Kevin, in the survival scenario, there are a lot of circumstances where you may need a weapon that will afford you the ability to engage a target at a distance. For example, you know, when it comes to personal defense, the farther out that you can defend yourself, the safer you can be. So you, know, you also look at it from the standpoint of hunting for food. I mean, you may need right. a weapon that will allow you to take down game that you can't, you can't readily get close to. So this brings up the need for a projectile class of weaponry, but most people aren't going to be carrying around this type of weapon with them. Can you describe how someone could construct an effective projectile type of weapon from items that may be able to scrounge from their surroundings in a collapse scenario? Absolutely. Now, this is this is the funnest one to make because the, the uh, impact is so uh, is so impressive when you do it. Um, I mentioned before having. Uh, having some surgical tubing. Surgical tubing can be used to create a bow-type 
uh, a bow type weapon for a projectile, you know, using a spear gun type scenario where you use the, the uh, energy stored in the, in the surgical tubing to draw back and shoot a projectile. But actually the easiest thing to make is a blow gun. If you can find a piece of about three feet of half-inch PVC pipe or half-inch steel conduit, uh, then uh, you can make a really effective blow gun, which is good for hunting and so forth. The darts you can make from bicycle spokes, sharpened, and the wadding can be cotton balls or a small piece of cloth attached to the back end of it. And uh, it is astounding how quickly you can be effective. And with a you know a, a seven or eight inch spike from a bike uh, spoke, you have some really hard hitting darts, and uh, you can take small game easily. We have uh, we make these uh, the other the other if you don't have bikes. Folks, you can use uh, bamboo uh, cooking skewers. Skewers they are used for uh, for barbecues. Those things make great darts, and uh, a uh, an improvised blowgun is a, is easy to hide and uh, keeps uh, keeps you uh, fed. In most urban situations, you can shoot endless pigeons and squirrels. Now, the um, the next scenario that might or the next weapon that I mentioned is a it's a surgical tubing uh, and a short piece of PVC pipe. You can put it, your projectile, which can be a dowel or or an arrow of some sort, um, in the tube and simply duct tape the surgical tubing to the side of it. Draw both of them back and snap it, and it'll uh, it'll shoot that right out to the end of the tube very effectively. You can be more elaborate and create handles and so forth. Uh, in one of our classes, we create improvised crossbows using. Uh, fiberglass rods that we find uh, as uh, driveway markers, and uh, um, we have a really effective tool that way as well. So, you know, what are those? Are, you said, you said fiberglass that? rods like driveway markers? Like, what are, what are those? Um, well, a lot of, uh, especially back east, a lot of times that you'll put uh, markers along the edge of your driveway to with reflectors on them. Right. And they're made out of a, a really nice 30-inch piece of fiberglass. A tube, a rod, and they make uh, a great bow. You find them in commercial parking lots all the time, so oh. that the snow powers know where the edges are. Okay. And uh, three of those bundled together make a great uh, make a great uh, bow arm. Can easily, it's, it's hard to do this on radio. I, yeah. could, I could show you a picture of one in a heartbeat, and you completely understand. But it makes the uh, makes for a really nice crossbow. I've got one out in the garage that one of the guys in the class made from the last class. And uh, it shoots as effectively as anything you can imagine. It's a, it's probably shooting 190, 200 feet per second. Wow. From an improvised weapon, that's not bad. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to think about, again, what what you want to accomplish in a small game. Uh, a dart is perfect. Larger game, a, a, a bolt from a crossbow or from the... Improvised, you know, even a slingshot with an arrow in it is very effective. And so, just uh, just start thinking about what you can come up with that that will project. And surgical tubing is great for that. Um, the crossbow uses that we made uses a paracord for a bowstring and some some brackets, the metal L-shaped brackets as a trigger, and it's really quite. Uh, it's really quite easy to come up with a lot of this stuff in the city. So, again, the whole the whole concept here is is 
look at everything as a potential tool. You know, most people wouldn't look at a bike wheel and say, there's 30 darts. Most people wouldn't look at uh, a pencil and say, there's a devastating, capacitating weapon. Or, you know, so there's there's a number of things. Pencils can be great projectiles as well. Um, we had a guy uh, show us how to use, uh, in one of the classes, show us how to duct tape three pens together to create a little crossbow with a rubber band that shot a number two pencil at an astound, astonishing rate. And was, uh, was impaling trees and so forth with a pencil. Hmm. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of looking at your environment and saying, how can I convert this into a projectile? And then what can I use to shoot the projectile? It's just a matter of really looking at the environment differently. At the end of the class, everybody looks at the environment completely differently. This is the hmm. advanced urban class where we do a lot of emphasis on weapons. They come back and say, I never realized it, but everything is a potential weapon. And I can find weapons in every every sector of the city. There's something there I can use, I can change, I can improvise. And it's just a matter of learning to train your eyes and look, look at the environment a little bit differently. Great point. Kevin, uh, man, awesome information. Uh, this is really great stuff. And hopefully it got everybody kind of thinking and looking at their, their surroundings a lot differently and really getting uh, all of you out there to think outside the box when it comes to this stuff. Um, you really have more at your disposal than you ever thought you, that you actually did. So if you're ever caught up in any type of a collapse-like scenario, you know, think about these different items and practice now by looking around and and just seeing, just picking anything from the from your environment and and just thinking, what would I do with this to make it a weapon? There's a lot that you can really do there. And again, everyone, these skills are going to serve you way better if you put them into action. The best way to do that is to be trained by a master in them to begin with. So I strongly urge you to go and check out the on-point tactical training schedule and see when you can arrange to train directly with Kevin and his team. You can read all about each course and see their current training schedule at their website at www.onpointtactical.com. So go check it out now. Until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.